Welcome to Dudes with Beards podcast, episode 49. I am Joe, and joining me are my co-host, Matthew. Good day. And Darren. Good night. Eh. Please visit dwshow.com for all of our information. On this show, we will be discussing a rooftop wind energy innovation that claims 50% more energy than solar. The RTX 4090 can break passwords in under an hour. Honda commits to a new 4.4 billion electric battery plant in Southwest Ohio. Billion. Billion would it be. Intel's next-gen Thunderbolt prototype promises twice the bandwidth, at least twice the bandwidth. Audi wants to purify city air with filter-equipped EVs, electric vehicles. And inside the only lithium producer in the U.S., which provides critical materials used in batteries by EV makers. What are we drinking? Uh, we just what, the, what was that one we just finished? I don't even know how to say it. I don't like. Know. I looked it up on. You checked it in. It was you? Little Fish. It was an IPA. Um, it's pretty good. Not too bad. Got it at a got a crowler of it, which is like this thing right here from BC's Bottle Shop. So it um, says it's pronounced Tay R. Aroa. Aroa. Tay Aroa. That was, uh, what was the ABV? Uh, 7.4. Really? That's a good one. What was it the, did not taste like 7.4. What was the tasting notes on that one, Matt? Did it say? What? <laughs> That's a tasty <laughs> beverage. Oh, the other one. Which other one? For those that care. 45 those, yeah. IBUs. It was good. He's rusty. He's rusty. Yeah, it was good. Um, and then to follow those up, <clears throat> Darren brought, uh, well, bo- I guess both of you brought back a beer from your trip to Nashville. Uh, just okay. Darren. Well, didn't you buy any beers? Nope. No, no he was like, <laughs> I'm going to close my tab, but Darren kept his open, so I'll just let Darren buy the beers. <laughs> see what and you it did. worked. I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> and then I have another um, <clears throat> crowler from BC's. Matt, can you look this one up? I forget. I thought this was Little Fish too, but maybe not. It's a uh, Pinesh Gui. Uh, I don't know. It's it's sounds P- like you're I- adding N- a little bit to that name. G U E Y. I don't know how to say it. Uh, this is a stout. It's twelve percent. Um, if you can look that spelling up, I thought it, it might not be Little Fish, but uh, Darren, you got a PBR. Yes, it's got the fresh stock. You want to want to pour that one? Okay. What is that one? You want to talk about it? Uh, this Ooh. is we went to uh, Southern Grist. <clears throat> and this is a collab between Southern Grist and Mass Landing. And Mass Landing was in what? Southern Grist and Mass Landing. Uh, Maine? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere northeast. So this is a blueberry something or other. It is. Is it um, IPA or sour? Or? I can't remember, remember. What, what was the blue barracudas. Do you remember what that was? I think it was a. I think it was just an IPA. Was it, was it sour though, wasn't what? it? From. That's from Tailgate. No, that's that's no. the one from Too Many Blueberries this week yes. last weekend. Um, so the one that Joe has in the crowler here, I I don't know how to pronounce it either. It yeah. is from Little Fish. Okay. It's an Imperial Double. Imperial Double. At the twelve percent, forty IBUs. It's a bourbon barrel aged Imperial Stout conditioned on cinnamon, cocoa, vanilla. And ancho chili peppers. Oh, that's the one with the chili peppers, right? Which, and we, <laughs> so we just had uh, Italian sausage sandwiches, and one of them was like a ghost pepper one. It was, so it was a little warm. Darren's going to be feeling it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> We're here in about 30 minutes. Did you read that? Uh, no, I did not. So this one says sour ale brewed with lactose blueberry puree 
apricot puree, almonds, and vanilla beans. It's pretty. I like their bottle art, like the, yeah. the fish. I mean, I guess it's a barracuda, right? Barracuda. barracuda. Mass Landing. And are these both in Nashville based? Or? No, the Mass Landing is in Maine. Okay, and then we Southern Grist Southern is. Southern Grist is in, in Tennessee. Is Nashville. is Nashville. Yep. Sweet. Nashville. That's good. Just the nose on that thing. I forgot how good that was. Is it a lot of blueberry? A lot of lactose. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever smelled something that smelled so blueberry. Mm -hmm. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) But normally, anytime we get something that's blueberry, you don't smell anything. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah, you... you Maybe it's... It could be the vanilla bean. You pick it up in this for sure. I mean, you definitely can smell blueberry, vanilla bean... Could be the almond coming through too. Well, I got a taster of that, and then I immediately walked in and said, "Because this was just released Friday, we were there Saturday." Yeah. So it, it there there was like five oh, check ins when we we checked it in. That is good. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I walked in, I was like, "Can I get like a crowler of this?" He was like, "We got it in cans." I'm like, "You just released it yesterday, okay?" Can yeah, on ten fourteen. Yeah. That was last week. We were week. there on the 15th. Oh, my gosh. That is good. <laughs> yeah, it was super that, fresh. That is. That's a tasty beverage. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> it really is. Mm-hmm. So exciting news since the last podcast. I mean, I don't really have anything other than I've been building some uh, new desks for uh, my son and my and my future son-in-law. But you guys went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, not I guess long weekend. Just a right? long weekend, yeah. To see Mister Post Malone, we in, did in Nashville. The girls you guys, did. yeah. Vicariously um, through the girls, we yes. saw Post Malone. Yes. <laughs> but you guys did other stuff while they were doing yes. that, which I think I would have rather done too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I, I would the, like I the concert looked pretty. awesome. I would have liked yeah. to see him. Don't get me wrong, but I wanted. So, I like. I wanted to visit those places. That so you guys we were at we too. we walked them in basically till they got like almost inside, mm-hmm. and then me and Matt went down the side of the Coliseum. And what were there? Six mm-hmm. pre-vols, uh diesel pusher buses. Gorgeous. Gor- just uh, his, those are his tour buses, I guess. So they were they. There was one that they were taking like ice and other stuff into, and I'm like, you know, what if we just like knocked on the door or whatever, <laughs> or just start sit, grabbing went, stuff and carrying went, it in? Went in and said <laughs> said hi to Post Malone or something, and then. Then there was a the entrance. There was a side entrance because that's where all the buses were for the VIPs. And I was like, I wonder if we could talk those girls into just letting us in. And then <laughs> then we could send Elizabeth and Megan a picture of oh, us backstage. They would have been so and then mad. just left. You know, they would have been like, How they did they do that? They would have been so mad. It would have been it would have been epic. That would have been. But cool. we did have a cool Uber driver though when we went. Which time we Ubered a lot? When we when we left there. Oh yeah, that guy yeah, on the guy way was back. Cool. Yeah, he was. Awesome. So it was a good trip then, right? Yeah, it was a good trip. How many brews? You guys went to what? Three? Just two brews. Two? Did you yeah. go to that the the restaurant with the infused sauces? No, we never. Okay. We never even went there. All right. Yeah, we went to a awesome, <clears throat> awesome brunch place. It's a bar, but they serve brunch all day long. Oh, that's cool. And I got a chicken and waffle, and good. the place was just like had that. Perfect atmosphere. They had ping pong tables. Mm. And then back in the bathrooms, 
it was all like a industrial uh, brick mm-hmm. inside the bar. They had couches. I mean, it was just a really cool feeling place. Cool. But in the back, there's like four or five restrooms, and it's a hallway that's maybe this wide. But throughout the whole hallway are these all these celebrities that were playing table tennis. And they had pictures of and them. And they had pictures of them because they actually hold tournaments there. Yeah, that's cool. And some of the some of the pictures were from there hmm. of celebrities playing in these tournaments. So, yeah. so was, if you're ever in Nashville, it's called Hi Fi Clydes. Hi Fi Clydes. And it was it was really good. I mean it's not far from downtown either. No, it's right in the what did what did they call that area? Nah, music know. Row. Music we Row. were like in, in oh. the music row area. That's right. That's and cool. the all the the staff was just Oh, Chill yeah, they were great. And great. They they gave us... We so much of, energy. Yeah. That we, early, like, you know, kind of early yeah, in the day. Yeah, it was like 10 when we what, went What there. day did you guys go? Sunday morning. Sunday, Sunday. morning. So that was because this concert was Sunday <clears throat> night, right? Yep. And I got I got two... Is uh, that where you took the picture of Liz that she kept, said it was a horrible picture? No, or that would have no, been Saturday okay. night. Yeah, that was Saturday night. I downtown. thought maybe that like, that, like, she had pre-gamed a little bit already, so she looked like she was a little... Feeling pretty good. She yeah. was feeling good. She was feeling good. Okay, so then I wasn't. Um, I wasn't too no, terribly. No, you, wasn't. you were not. At all. <laughs> but, but that, I will never, ever, ever, go to downtown Nashville, on Broadway, ever Just again. Too, too crazy. It was stupid. Too many people. Stupid. Oh so many people. It took us is almost that, two is it hours just because it's like there's just so many things down there, or. It, even the bars, you couldn't even walk into yeah. them. I mean, yeah. they closed off the road because there were so many people. Yeah, the police closed off like two blocks of Broadway just to allow people to yeah. walk the streets and hop from bar to bar. You normally go, you don't go to Nashville. You go to, uh, where did you go last time in Tennessee? Nashville. It was? Yeah, but we didn't get really anywhere So you just downtown. didn't go downtown. No, okay. we stayed in the outskirts and went to wineries and breweries. Now, now Sunday when we went downtown... It wasn't as bad, but okay. it was still pretty bad. But the prices, like we went to, I don't even remember the name of that place, but whatever we went to, I bought a Miller Lite mm-hmm. and then a, a like a draft or a can, a, a, a bottle. Mm-hmm. And I got Elizabeth that tequila she's been wanting to try that has a little bell on top. It was horrible, by the way. Although the blue and white, yeah, yeah. it was $65 for that. For for the for just the those two drinks was it a drink or was it no just it was a, just a, just, just a little pour. two two ounce pour of it oh my gosh yeah yeah and then you got what uh, Michelob Ultra Megan got a truly and how much was that like thirty to with tip like thirty two yeah Dang. so <laughs> so then we leave there and go right outside of town go to Southern Grist mm-hmm. we paid I bought a, a four pack of that got a whole flight of beer. And something it was like twenty one dollars. It was like that's crazy. It's just dumb to be down there. And if you just want to just pee money away, yeah, well, that's a good place to do it for sure. Who dr- did you drive? Or did you drive? We we Ubered a lot. He drove. Oh, who that, drove down there? You I drove, did. You, you drove to Y down there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I thought you did, but I wasn't sure. Yep. You did great. Hopefully, it was a better ride than mine. It was fine. <laughs> mine I mean, is just so low to the ground. It's just you feel everything. When you're down you there. feel a lot in my car too, but yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it. I was still playing on Tiki Talk and and playing my game. Yeah, I mean, that's probably. Yeah, I mean, you usually drive when you guys go to places, so 
Yeah, I was lost. Nice. Matt was like, oh, yeah, we were going right. Like, <laughs> yeah, because he's been down there. How many times? Well, no, not even that. But I'm I'm very astute because when I drive, I, I remember landmarks or, or whatever. You just weren't paying attention. And so. I was just wanting to pay attention. I was like, weren't we here earlier? And he was like, no, that's the other side of town. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I've been looking at my phone. So. Uh, and, and highways look like highways look like highways when you're yeah. in a new place. That's true. But, yeah, I mean, it was a good weekend. From pv-magazine.com. I don't think we've had anything from them before. At least I don't remember if we had. Um, they have an article talking about rooftop wind energy innovations that claim 50% more energy than solar at the same cost. So BASF, they make all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I remember like, like or or they test. I don't think they make that. Maybe they test things. But So they're currently testing this um, AeroMine Technologies uh, patented motionless wind harvesting system. That's a little deceiving because yeah, because underneath there's still a turbine at the bottom of it. So that silver thing is actually still like if you watch the video, it's obviously spinning. It has to. But as far as like a normal like when you think of a wind turbine or whatever, it's not uh, there is no moving parts to that piece. So like if a blurred of a blurred, if a bird flew through there, it's not going to get hurt like <laughs> it potentially might through a, a wind turbine or something. So. Uh, so, cool. so BASF is a co-founded global alliance of nearly 30 companies to advance solutions to reduce and eliminate plastic waste and environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're so they're, they're they eco, they help make things better, basically, yeah. kind of like Monroe does for cars, I yeah. guess. You know, um, but it's a it's a new bladeless wind energy unit, and it's, of course, it's patented by Aeromine, and they're helping tackle the challenge of. Uh, competing with rooftop rooftop solar as a source of clean energy. Um, it says the motionless wind energy unit can produce 50% more energy than a rooftop solar than rooftop solar at the same cost, said the company. Um, and it says it leverages aerodynamics similar to airfoils, like in race cars, to capture and amplify each building's airflow. It requires about 10% of the space required by solar panels and generates around the clock energy because it's you know as long as there's wind right i mean that's the thing is solar you're only going to get solar during the day but for this thing i mean you have to have air moving through it so yeah but depending but I mean, on where you are it may not be as efficient as wind uh, it, it might unless be, it needs like a super super low volume yeah, which it because, didn't really well, say yeah it, did, it didn't have any breakdown of it but some of those turbines can turn with just like a Really, really half, slow. Half a mile yeah. an hour. Yeah. I mean, think think of it like this. So if you've ever seen the fans that go on top of, uh, like, wood-burning stoves, there's no Just motors. heat generated, right? It's just heat generated. So you're going to have a little bit of air moving gotcha. anyway. But if you have a good place like Chicago or – or places like this was in Michigan, so like, like, like yeah, I don't you're know how close to the lake, and, yeah, and all that stuff. But like here where we live, near one of our cemeteries, there's wind, wind there all, the time. all the time. So this would yeah. be like perfect. Yeah, I think, and and that's what like I didn't go into like I didn't look up any more information or other um, contributing articles to see like what the exact specs were, how they were measuring this, and. Like, what was the minimum wind speed required to achieve that? It, like, I, I, they didn't really get into all that, so I'm sure that I'm sure there's, there's, there's more there's of stuff a breakdown out there. article somewhere. But. Um, 
The cool thing is, is like an like unlike the conventional wind turbines that you see, there's no noise to this thing. They're huge. It's not moving, so you're not gonna have. It's not gonna be visually intrusive like a big wind turbine were, would be. Then that's why those are usually in, you know, they're zoned for only certain parts of of a of a state or a country or whatever, or they're offshore. Um, it's not dangerous to birds, and it's it's mo- it says it's motionless and virtually silent, which. The capturing part is, but there's still there's still a turbine at the bottom that spins to generate the electricity. Um, if you watch, like we'll show you in the video. And the, the thing I didn't understand, like the weird thing to me, like uh, I don't know why they put this in there the way they did it. I, I don't know if I think they should have worded it a little bit different, but it says they typically install 20 to 40 of these on the edge of a building facing the, the predominant wind direction. But like, would, I wouldn't want twenty of these. Like, I mean, if it's a big building, I could see that. But well, like for talking, a home or something. Yeah, but if you're talking a skyscraper, I think this is more for the the commercial downtown kind. commercial. Yeah, yeah. but I'm so, just like, I mean, but they didn't really specify that. So like, because nobody's gonna want twenty of these things on their house. So it can generate as low as five miles an hour. Okay, according to this article. Hmm. But it but it requires an average wind speed of at least nine miles an hour to be generated enough to make it that's a pretty decent so yeah nice yeah so you're you're talking you're limited yeah and, but but if you think about it <clears throat> what we feel at like a two-story building here is different than a high-rise downtown yeah or yeah. i mean there's a or lot it of it just depends on where you live i mean even hmm. even me flying my drones it's different flying it flying it at 10 feet off the ground or 20 feet off the ground true. or 40 feet off yeah, the ground. Yeah, if it's a tall building, There's a lot more air moving up there that we never even know about. And it does say, you know, this like you could use this in conjunction with rooftop solar. So it doesn't, like, that way you have generation from different sources, which is a good thing to have. Um, so, it does, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to depend on the location, the building, how tall it is, things like that. Um, and it's saying that – this was pretty cool. Like, it's saying that buildings um, – account so that when you build a building uh, 50% of all the carbon emissions um, globally it's it's weird it says buildings and the built environment account for 50% of all carbon emissions globally according to architecture 2030 so I don't know what they mean by like I don't know what exactly they mean by that it's not worded very well but it says building operations contributes to about 20 27% of emissions while materials and construction and other construction industry energy are estimated for another 20%. So maybe they're factoring anything like the transportation of materials, the manufacturing of the materials, everything like that. But that seems kind of high to me. Like, but I thought like if you, if you factor in just like regular transportation and livestock and other things like, but I mean, we, we are building a lot of stuff, so yeah. that could be. Um, I mean, look at the neighborhood behind you. Yeah. They just <laughs> thrown up another hundred homes or so. Um, and it says BASF is currently testing the system um, at a manufacturing plant in um, Wyandotte, Wyandotte, Michigan. The patented technology was validated through joint research with uh, Sandii Sandi National Laboratories and Texas Tech University. Hmm. Um, and this was, they have a video of, uh, is that, you turn that volume back off, Darren. I, I don't think I have it on. There's no, there's no sound on that yeah, I didn't video think there anyways. was, but um. Yeah, so here's the so you can see the the fin or whatever moving at the bottom, like I guess or the, like a turbine type of thing. So that's where hmm. the energy is generated. But yeah, it's not something that the bird or anything could fly through because the top of it's all. I couldn't motionless. figure out if this was a CGI 
It looks like it's somebody's like a drone, like a drone's uh, filming it. I know, me. but it just looks so. It looks real to me. Okay, it looks <laughs> very rigid to me, and and not. I, I wish they had a graphic of. You know, there's no real moving part except for the impeller you see on the bottom. Yeah. Through this design, when the air passes through this, this is how the energy is created. Right. Is because is, just looking at that, you're like, yeah. how is anything happening? Yep. Yeah, well, because on the other side of that, I guarantee you, there's a a slit where the wind uh, comes through, and those air almost foils, like make like a vacuum. Yeah, or those something. airfoils will probably bring it to into that to push it in there harder. Gotcha, gotcha, I would gotcha. I would think that's how it would look. I mean, it's pretty cool tech, especially if uh, you know it's scaled down to where you can use it in residential or or even smaller commercial applications. So, yeah. I mean, especially and if you're using it in conjunction with solar or some kind of geothermal or other type. I mean, you know, we're gonna need a combination of all types of different renewable energy sources to make uh to make everything work. That's yes. pretty cool. From Tom'sHardware.com, we have eight RTX 4090s can break passwords in under an hour. Um, there's a little bit of context to this, but it says uh, security researcher Sam Crowley took to Twitter to share just how incredible NVIDIA's new RTX 4090 really is at cracking passwords. It turns out it's twice as fast as the previous leader, which was the 3090, at breaking one of your passwords. Even when faced off against Microsoft's new technology, Land Manager, authentication protocol, and the bcrypt password hacking function. So this essentially means that, uh, it says any wealthy gamer sporting the 4090 can crack an average password in a matter of days. And that it's, if, if you follow good passwords, that's if you follow good password setting practices, most people don't. No. <laughs> um, it says they were using the the benchmark Cash Cat version 6.2.6. It's a renowned password cracking tool that lays best in the hands of system administrators and cybersecurity professionals. Um, it allows researchers to test or guess user passwords in the in a few situations that might require it, or in nefarious hands, it allows you to crack passwords. Um, unfortunately, it means that cyber criminals can too. And with the evolution of the graphical user interface, GUIs, and the ease of use of these programs in modern computers sporting a high-performance graphics card, it's becoming easier than ever to deploy these tools. So, so I don't know. This this article is kind of clickbaity to me because, yeah, you have your 3090, you have your 4090 that is way better. Twice as fast. Duh, it's going to be able to do yeah. more. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I agree with you. Um, and it says in testing, of course, it trumps the 3090. I mean, it, it should. It's the newest yeah, it, version. It better. <laughs> and it's doing the same thing in gaming performance as well. Um, so it's 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 about, it's almost, like, it's not doubling performance in every game, but it's, like, for 4K gaming, it's a huge leap. Um, and then, of course, for this password hashing, it's double the performance as well. Um and that's just because of the way that the graphics cards are evolving to have all these CUDA cores, and they've got these AI ML based chips that are specifically used for this stuff. So that it's getting crazy. I mean, and, and we we notice it just doing video editing. I mean, using your PC's core, or yeah. using your PC core and your video car core, you know, it makes video editing so much easier. Oh, yeah. 
when you can double up like that. So they're saying that if you if you made a custom built machine um, to do password cracking, they you could pair up to eight of these things, and if you have up to eight forty nineties, which they're sixteen hundred dollars a piece, <laughs> yeah, you could crack an eight character password in forty eight minutes. See, um, so you guys are good for a couple hours then, right? <laughs> Well, hours. eight eight characters, and then that's and it says so according to Statista, Statista from 2017 data, which is a little dated. Eight character passwords are the most common among leaked passwords, commanding a 32 percent share of them. So, 32 percent of all passwords that get hacked are only eight characters. This doesn't mean that they're the least safe. It just likely means that it's the most common password character length, which some websites only let you use a certain length. Right. Most of and, them have, that, have changed, but like I know, like I use LastPass, So most of mine are, and I hate I use when, 20. I hate when I have to manually put them in. Yeah. I, I have a few that I did at 32 just cause it's like banking and stuff. And with my, with my GM, my, uh, keyboard i have for my pc you don't have a number i don't i don't even have the characters that i need to input if i have to, if <laughs> i have to manually input it because it's that it's that condensed six, you, have the, you have the 10 keyless right yeah so it's like it's like crap i gotta go into my home assistant pull out my little dongle bring out the keyboard for it mm-hmm. so i can type something in if i can't just copy it from last pass over so that's rare though probably, it is right? very is very rare um, and it says that the password, so it, they're, they're making assumptions for this testing, I guess, that it's at least eight characters long, but it does follow the required conventions for most websites. So at least one number and at least one special character are included. Um, when Hashcat is driven to test the most commonly used passwords, however, it can bring a theoretical 48-minute cracking operation that attempted all 200 billion possible <laughs> combinations down to the millisecond range. But then that's to be expected. It says even a human would be extremely fast in cracking a password such as one, two, three, four, five, six, which apparently is the most common password of 2021. Oh my God. Jokes on them. I'm one, two, three, four, five, seven. <laughs> um it or says, just go backwards, nine, eight, seven, six, five. <laughs> yeah, and they do mention, you know, of course the 49 sixteen hundred bucks, and you got to be able to get them, which they just came out, but they are more readily available than the three thousand series cards, at least when they came out. For now, I mean, the the, um, the the normal person is not going to go buy this and then say, "Oh, I'm going to, you know, spend sixteen hundred dollars and then spend X amount of electricity to." But but you got to remember, there are people building mining rigs that had eight GPUs. True. True. Per to to mine crypto. So just think if you had something like that and you just want, randomly wanted to try to crack a password. Jeez. I mean, they're, they're out there. Um, and it talks about another chip on security. Another chip on the security shoulder is the amount of data that needs to be encrypted against the inexorable development of quantum computing. Com- quantum computers will render almost all current used encryption schemes pedestrian. Looking at the cost decreases in password cracking just with GPUs, however, it seems that the current security should be upgraded to newer post-quantum algorithms sooner rather than later. Because some of these quantum computers are saying like can like a 32-character super like random password, like even a quantum computer can crack it in a matter of days. 
that like they have to change like the whole encryption type and and yeah, but you have to have a quantum computer to do the encryption to be able to not be get it get it hacked. Jeez. Right. I mean, but but think about think about this. Like Elizabeth got her new phone and and she was just trying to log into um, our Unify Protect. Oh, for yeah, because she has to relog in. And then things, yeah. and then because it updated. Yeah. Because of the last update, I went to log into it and I was logged out. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it'll randomly do that. I'm like, yeah. crap. Well, I have. I have three Unify passwords. Passwords, like a local. And- no, no. Well, I have I have my local one, then yeah. I have my work one. Oh, and then I have my personal one to gotcha. buy stuff off their website. Oh, okay. So, so I'm looking through and trying one this one, this one, <laughs> and then it was not even in LastPass. Do you use two factor? I well? use two factor as well, and it wasn't even in LastPass, and I was like, yeah. I have no idea. And then luckily I found it in the, the, the iCloud keychain. Uh, and then I made one for LastPass because I mean, it's like this long. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's dumb. So <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't use simple passwords. Don't use short passwords. Don't use like, the same password on for, different. Yeah, use different. Pa- yeah. And people are like, wow, that's too hard. You need to pass. Use a password manager. Like it's thirty dollars a year for LastPass. LastPass is free if you're only using it on one device. True. So and but there's still, and there's but others. It's still there's only others. like forty dollars a year for family. For, for family. family, yeah. yeah. It's not. And it's it's well worth it. Just just to get have a it. password manager. It sucks to set. Don't it up. save your passwords in Chrome. Like I don't even like saving mine in in iOS. Like I like using the password manager. Like just use a different password for everything. Don't use the same password at least. The important stuff use unique passwords yeah, like banking and don't home use the loan. same password for your for your bank for your for your uh, mortgage like oh, please don't do it. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> look at that. Do you still not use a password manager, Matt? I still don't. Man, I'm playing with fire. He is, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to buy a thirty or a forty ninety. I'm, I'm, and, fire, and I'm hack, firing up my I'm thirty ninety against you right I'm now. I'm going to hack Matt. you right now. I don't even know how to do that, but yeah. I don't even know how you'd wire all that up. The, how do you wire it all up and then control it all to compute all that? The, you use that. The, you use that stuff. That software they were talking about, which you can. It's freely. It's open source. The Hashcat. You can. Anybody can download it. But you got to like say you're trying to hack somebody's bank account. Yeah. You got you. You need to know probably at least their email address so you know which account you're trying to get into. Okay. But that stuff gets leaked all the time because. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we only usually have one email address, even though you can make unique ones with like Gmail and other services, which, which I don't even do that yet, I which I is probably a good idea because that way you can you have a little more control. But if somebody knows your email address, most of these tools, they'll go out and hit the most common sites. Like they'll go and hit Amazon, Newegg, Netflix, Apple. Like they'll hit all the big, all the big common sites with your um email address and just uh, a bu- uh, and they'll just randomly try to, ha- to to break passwords and you know so if they find one password then they'll try that password on and everything thing. else because a lot of people use the same passwords and and it's funny cuz Elizabeth had to sign into a whole bunch of new stuff cuz she got her new phone yeah and I'm like texting her did you just sign in because <laughs> you're, get, you're getting, getting the back, all the, the notices. I'm getting the all these alerts that that someone just signed in and blah like, blah blah. Yeah, like if like, like like whenever like we get a new device for like Netflix or or something like oh a new device signed in. I'm like who did who's this? Like yeah. somebody get a new laptop or something? Like why are you, like who who signed <laughs> into Netflix? Yeah, 
just uh, use a password manager. Just, just start using it. Like, download one now, and just anytime you need to make a new password, just start using it. You don't have to go and change it, everything right away. But yeah, just it, it is, it is get in tedious. The ha- Once you get in the habit of it, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's very tedious to take all the passwords that you already have yeah. and put them in there. It it it, it sucks. Is. But at least start with the like the important stuff that like right. if you do nothing else but your bank, like that's the last thing you want is people stealing your money. Mm. Matt, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Loud and clear. $34 a year. Okay. Last pass. I'm on it. Okay. He's on it. We're going to ask him in two weeks. Next up from WCPO.com, which is local to us here in Ohio. Honda announces a new $4.4 billion electric battery plant to bring 2,500-plus jobs uh, northeast of Cincinnati. This is in conjunction with LG as well. Um, so that Honda's been in our state for – I don't know, a long time. They've been making cars here forever. So they're announcing this retooling of one of their plants and then the investment in the new battery plant as well. So, um, you know, they're, they're saying this is a once in a hundred years change. They plan, they, they plan to bring the 2,500 projected jobs uh, in both the new battery production site and the retooled auto assembly engine plants. Um, the plan includes investing $700 million to retool existing auto and powertrain plants for production of electric vehicles, which will result in 300 new jobs. Additionally to that, $3.5 billion will be invested with LG Energy Solutions to build a joint venture facility to make the battery modules to power those new electric vehicles and the creating about 2,200 jobs. That's crazy. Um It'll be in Fayette County, so it's about an hour southeast of Dayton. It'll produce pouch-type batteries to supply Honda plants for production of electric vehicles, also called EVs. <laughs> um, so, Honda and LG plan to construct the plant in early 2023, so not too far away, completing the facility by the end of 2024, so it's going to take a little while. Um, the site will be near Interstate I-71 and US-35. but The exact location has not been announced. So I just wonder why they're they're uh, going to pouch type. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because you you would think you know I mean cell type is more congruent, and you could you could add structure with cell type, but pouch type, you got a thin pouch, and you're just going to be stacking these pouches on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, I haven't seen and, a lot on their like pa- their battery pack yet. And just because they don't have all, do they have any all electric Hondas out right now? No, they're they're all hybrid. Everything's hybrid. But but my here's my point. I've been in the RC world for a long time. Oh yeah. Lipos and and stuff like that. I don't care how good the battery's made. Lipos swell. Yeah. Once they get old, they swell. Well, it's a it says it's a it's a module using pouch type lithium ion cells. But it's still going to swell. I mean, you you, I've seen eighteen six fifty swell. Right. I mean, yeah, all all kinds of batteries. Like your batteries and your laptops and your phones are usually like a, I don't know, I would call them pouch type, but they're like a thinner, weird, like they're not a standard shape of like a normal battery. The older ones used to be 18650s, like the old drill batteries and stuff too. They would just put put a bunch of them together. But it's one of those things that's like, wonder what led But I mean, Tesla invested in, uh, what was that one company that they were making like a pouch type battery or solid state battery. The Maxwell. Maybe, well, that was maybe, maybe they should have called it. A, I don't know if it is a solid state battery, but 
if it's a solid state battery type, maybe then that's it'd be what, sitting in a capacitor, not yeah. A but they should probably should have. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I haven't. I don't. It didn't really get into the tech when, of the when I think of a pouch, I think of like you know Capri Sun. Your your thinner battery packs, like in <laughs> yeah. the back of a cell phone, or, right? Or yeah. something like or that, or a laptop or something. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Um, well, it, it just says that they're they're not even going to be in production of them. So the plant's going to be finished sometime in 2024, but they're actually going to be producing the batteries until 2025. So maybe it's some kind of new tech we just haven't seen from them yet. Possibly. Um, and it says their annual production capacity is going to be like 40 gigawatt hours. Jesus. Pretty pretty crazy. Um, it's a bold claim. And then they're also planning to retool the Marysville and East Liberty auto assembly plants and its Anna engine production plant. Honda said it expects more than 300 new jobs in those plants. So assuming they're just going to retool and they're going to keep those same people and maybe add some more. Um, but I mean, it's cool. Like we've had the, we have the Intel coming. Now we've got this, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I mean, we, 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 uh, definitely appreciate it. So I, I will let Matt tell you this cool thing that we saw on our trip to Nashville and we saw it on the way down. Didn't really pay too much of attention to it. Oh, we, we kind of did. Well, we kind of did I because mean, it's, it's like, huge. Was yeah. it the Ford but, thing? But on the way back, Matt said, I wonder what they're building there. At, was the what, what was the county? Do you remember the oh, name of the yeah, county? Oh, yeah, I remember. It was in the article. I forgot. Start with a G? In Kentucky, right? Maybe. Yeah. But, but go it was ahead. the new Ford battery plant? Yeah. Because I said, I need to go on like Google and like, at, like search what? it so I can get yeah. updates on this stuff. Yeah, because so we, he we just talked looked it about up. it a couple times. Yeah. Because we passed up the, the you know, Interstate sign for what the next exit would be, which would yeah. be the exit for. I want this. to say it's Gallatin, but I don't think that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, because it looked like it was like they were they were clearing it. And oh my god! Oh, they it were. Was, it was. It was huge. Right? It was yes. huge. It was fifteen hundred acres. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. yeah, and like what the the main amount of construction was like away, like a ways off of the highway, but it was just like crane after crane after crane in this big area. And yeah. then there's just a ton of heavy equipment just moving, moving earth, earth around moving, everywhere. Yeah. Moving it was crazy. I mean, it, it was it was a big to do. Yeah, I've I've never and, driven by some you know site then, that big. Who were they partnering with again? Was it wasn't LG? It was with uh, what was that other battery manufacturer? Panasonic. No, it was somebody else, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't know, but, but so yeah. you guys drove by it. You yeah, could, we drove by it, it and, and I mean. Like, for it seemed like miles that you you were driving by this construction wow. site yeah. right off the side of the highway. That's crazy, and it's going to be insane because, like, at the exit, you know, we have the sign of where to eat, where you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there. There's, there's nothing. Yeah. So imagine what's going to happen. Everything gets built up around that because <laughs> you're going to have so many people working there. You're going to yes. need restaurants and yeah, all kinds of stuff. Probably this, the same thing's going to happen for this subdivisions and everything. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. thing's going to happen here. I thought it was uh, cool. Glendale. That, okay. It was Glendale, Kentucky. And who was the partner for the battery? Was it SK Innovations? SK Innovations. SK. Okay. Yeah, 5,000 jobs in Kentucky is wow. what they're going to add. But it. Um, but when when Matt posted this article, I was like, oh, that'll that, yeah. tie in great gotcha. with our trip. Yeah, because yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty cool that it, they said that this announcement, it, it was 45 years to the day. After Honda announced its her, uh, first Ohio production facility back in October 11th, 1977, yep. I thought that was pretty cool. For the um, motorcycles, yeah, motorcycles, yeah. Um, 
So they employ nearly 15,000 workers in five Ohio plants, um, about 8,000 workers from the Miami Valley who work in its Anna Engine Plant and Troy Distribution Sites, about 1,400 workers from Clark and Campaign Counties. Um, they purchase about $7 billion worth of Ohio, uh, supplies from Ohio suppliers mm. last year. Uh, which, so, How did I miss that? I didn't, so hopefully I didn't this see. means that, you know, they'll buy – it's you know it's it's a chain reaction right it's like the intel thing yeah there's a lot of tax incentives and the tax abatements that they received are ridiculous in my opinion mm-hmm. but it's gonna the the surrounding energy the surrounding um businesses that have to come up to so help support that will help as well and they probably won't get the same deals so that's probably why they're giving them this because by the time their tax abatement is up i think it was like a 30-year tax abatement like they're just going to build a new plant somewhere else and get it somewhere else or renegotiate it. I don't know, but yeah, but I'm I'm sure it's like, just silly that Intel you can freaking afford to pay the taxes for crying out loud. Yeah, but the taxes are crazy. I know, I know, but it's just I just can't believe they got a thirty year. I mean, thirty years. Come on, I don't. I, don't I mean, agree mo- with it. most of stuff, most of stuff here that we do is like ten year. Right. Yeah. Which and I could see that because that was common, but, but thirty years. But still, after ten years, a lot of places just go. They I can, either I threaten to move or they or renegotiate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Honda produced and sold a uh, about a hundred thousand electric electrified vehicles in the U.S. last year. Those are all hybrid. They don't have uh, anything that they've sold all electric yet. So, but that I mean, these batteries could be used in their hybrid vehicles too. So. From SlashGear.com, Intel's next-gen Thunderbolt prototype promises twice the bandwidth and DisplayPort 2.1 support. Um, so they've Intel has demoed the capabilities of its next-gen Thunder, Thunderbolt cables. They promise the new cables, which haven't received a release date yet, will offer up to three times the capability of Thunderbolt 4 while taking both the creative side of things and gaming to new levels. Thunderbolt 3, a version of the cable you can currently go out and buy, is about 40 gigabits a second. Um which is about double what a USB Type-C cable is. Um, however, to get those speeds, the cable does have to be plugged into a Thunderbolt-compatible port, which not all devices are, but the cables are backwards compatible, so if you plug it into something that's not Thunderbolt or that fast, it'll still work, just not at the full speed. Um, older versions of the cable connect through um, mini display port instead of a USB Type-C USB type connection, but that changed with USB when USB-C was launched. So... I wish everything. I mean, I think we're slowly getting to where everything's going towards more, more towards USB-C, which is also the same form factor as Thunderbolt. Um, it just depends on what you plug it into, whether you get the full Thunderbolt support. And now with this new version, I'm sure it's going to be the same. Yeah, I was surprised when I, I have a hub that I can run my uh, monitor from my MacBook, and I just had a just regular USB-C cable, and I couldn't get. So I couldn't get it to pass the the screen share through, so I got me a Thunderbolt cable, and I was it was crazy the amount of speed I could transfer because it's a it's a dock, it's an upright dock, and I had um, just a USB C uh, flash drive in, and stuff I was dumping to it or going from that to my MacBook through that Thunderbolt cable. It's like, holy crap. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it was almost it like instant. I mean, oh, it, was, wow. it was crazy how fast it was. And that's just the three. 
Yeah, and this is going to be twice as fast at least. Um, Thunderbolt, which I forgot about this. I, I, I remember reading this, but i just forgotten about it. But it was jointly developed by Intel and Apple. And it's in it's in PCs. I'll make any new PC or Mac you buy. And it is most it's they either either they say it's USB C, but like it's it's probably <coughs> USB C and also Thunderbolt compatible because it's the same form factor. Um, Intel claims that the Thunderbolt protocol uh, specification it submitted to the USB Promoter Group three years ago formed the basis of USB four. And then it has spent the last few years working on improving the standard. So the USB 4 standard, I think, I guess that's what the Thunderbolt spec runs off of as well. Um, the company doesn't hold a monopoly on the manufacturing of the cables, offering the name and logo royalty-free to any business that is involved in its certification program. So when the new cable hits the shelves, you won't be stuck buying one that was made by Intel directly or... Well, you have to fork out half your net worth for the Apple version. <laughs> when, when I read that, that's so I was true. cracking up. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? I mean, that's why Apple wants all their own freaking cables, so you have to buy them from them. But the the new cable offers a quick 80 gigabits per second bi-directionally. Fast file transfers, um, of course. That's double the bandwidth of Lightning 4, the current generation of Lightning cable. Uh, video and display speeds are also improved, which is, is weird, like, so it's I guess because it's 80 gigabits a second bi-directional, that's why it's a little bit slower. Because it says the video and display speeds are up to 120 gigabits a second. Like 8K doesn't even use. I think 8K is like DisplayPort 2.0 still, right? Mm-hmm. So hmm. what the heck is going to use that? I mean, some new red camera or something? I don't, I don't know. know. Um, the cables are based on the new USB 4 version 2.0 and DisplayPort 2.1 specs. But it's nice that they're planning ahead for. Yeah, I just want it to be all the same. Like, I don't want, I don't want to buy the stupid Apple only cables. Like, I still have, we still have to buy them for our phones, right? To charge and stuff. It's like let's let's make a standard cable, please. It's coming. I know. Um, what well, in the European Union requiring yeah, Apple? But, so but, you know, once they do that, they're just going to do it everywhere because it's just going to be cheaper. Well, we had this conversation. We actually had this same conversation. On the way to Tennessee, oh, okay. or on about the way the back, no, about about USB and uh, them forcing them, and then you said, "What about eSIMs?" Oh, yeah, yeah. the U, the US, all the fourteen Pro and Pro Maxes are the are eSIM, are, are right. now. But over in the EU, they're not. They still have SIM cards. Huh. So, so they haven't changed that yet, right? So that's weird. Yeah, if they force them to do it in the EU, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it in the u.s true no yeah yeah it, i mean it, it would be that's a, the same for stuff they do over decision. there they don't always do it over here i mean because they've already what they've already done it in the macbooks the pro ipads, iPads. yeah that's so what, that's what i don't get they've done it for all these other devices why don't they do it for the phones are they are they just like because people may are already have well Maybe one of the reasons is because they don't give you the cable anymore uh, or the the power adapter. But, but anymore, I can tell. But but most of the new power adapters are, are USB C. Yeah. Most of the most of all the new the the new cable that came with Elizabeth's iPhone fourteen was a USB C to Lightning. Yeah. Which I have, I couldn't tell you how many USB C to Lightning or USB A <laughs> to Lightning cables yeah. I have in my house. I have. If I was to guess, I'd say 30 or 40 just because of I bought them yeah. for here or there. Or well, I don't have an I don't have an issue of them getting rid of the power brick because 
You can use your old ones. Right. Unless you have to convert it or something. Any more of this? I'll take some more of that. Matt can't because he's on call. <laughs> no, he's not. I know. He's always on call. He's going to sleep in the guest room one of these nights. But it would be nice to go to the, the normal standard. Yeah. And that way, you know, anything you buy, I mean, like today, I, I knew I was going to be on my phone a little bit during the day because I was reading articles and, and whatnot. I knew I wanted to keep my phone charged. You well, saw the 13, right? Yeah, I still have the 13 uh, Pro Max. Matt's got the 14. With a terabit. 13 Pro. So the wife's got the 14 and you guys still got 13? Yeah. Elizabeth's Man. got the... The 14, 14 Pro, Max. Pro Max. We had to what, wait for. And Megan's got the 14 Pro. Mm-hmm. But see, April that, wants the 14 Pro because she it, wants the new camera. It wasn't even supposed to ship until the 28. Got it we were coming Sweet. back, and I was like, "Hey, I just got a, a email that your phone's going to be shipping." Yeah. So. Sweet. Um, no, I think I'm all for the standardization as long as we're not settling for the least common denominator. Right. Like. I know you guys remember, not everybody probably will, the whole VHS versus Betamax thing. Like VHS I, VHS won, but it was the inferior I, I, format. I'm, I'm sorry. I I would do anything to have my mom and dad's old Betamax because... Betamax was higher resolution. It was higher resolution. You could record longer. You could record longer. It, it was just... But you know why? I, I, th- I think we've talked about this it before. It was a smaller... But you know why VHS won, right? I can't remember. It's something to do it. Yeah, because yeah, the porn so industry adopted VHS. So that's what... That's why it won out. And Betamax was Sony, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And VHS was everybody else, yep. like Panasonic and everybody. So Sony Sony had the right idea. Just Yeah, but Sony did. Sony. VHS was cheaper, but it was also inferior. And because it was cheaper, that's what the porn but industry they also, used. And they then that's, also, what, that's what won. <laughs> but they didn't learn from their mistake because, no. you know. Oh, yeah, because you had. Look um, at the, the USBs. They yeah. had the they had the data stick or whatever you had oh, to buy. You yeah, had to yeah. use that for yeah. their cameras and and this. They and did that. get kind of, they did go a little off the rails with some of their proprietary stuff. Like they were like that before Apple ever thought about right. being like that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I do remember. But oh well, I mean, I think we're moving towards standardization. I mean, not as far as like even, even like cables and also for like charging for EVs too. So it needs to be standard. I think. That way, it, you don't have to worry about adapters and all that yes. crap. From Electric.co, Audi wants to purify city air with filter-equipped EVs while they're driving and charging. So here's a kind of like an explosion of what they're thinking about here. And this is in um, partnership with Man plus Hummel. I think that's how you, it's like the Man plus, that's a weird name, but I think they're German as well. But they shared that they've been working on a pilot project with them for over a year to develop a filter for the front end of EVs that can collect particulate matter while driving and charging. As Audi looks to to make its production mass process net carbon neutral, it also hopes to reduce emissions wherever possible, including air quality near busy roads. I mean, it's cool. When when, when I read this article, yeah, like a little bit down, it um. The, the the numbers that they stated really amazed me because I was like, you you never think about the little particulates that's coming off of the yeah. road, off your tires, off of the tire. Yeah, tires especially. I'd be like, that was weird, but I guess. I mean, it has to wear. It has to go somewhere. Yeah. I, I, it just it was one of those like, 
oh yeah, like aha moment of like, mm, I guess that that's what's I mean, happening. Have you ever changed the cabin filter in your truck? Yeah. Does Why, your does your truck have a cabin filter? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's right. You let the dealership do that stuff. I, I only have I only have I like just changed a, a forty thousand on my, my I just truck. changed April's in the Prius. It wasn't terrible. But, but but now that you say that, it's like another reason I put this on how many people are gonna to pay to tr- change this? That's now, what I was is, thinking. Is, how much is this gonna cost? How much is it gonna cost? But if or, you're driving an Audi Or is yeah, it included? No, are they going money. but are they going to include this? It said it was going to be included in like the maintenance cycles, but you're still going to have to pay for it, right? Or can you just say just take it out? I don't. Want, but that's the thing is like if you don't use it, and if you just take the filter out, is it going to cause issues with your radiator and stuff? No, because they said this was a because this was already. Unit. But right. it said it was fan. Like there's a fan that's that, that's pulling it in. But so it says according to Audi, eighty five percent of fine dust in the road traffic is tracked back to brake tire and road abrasion. The smallest form of these particles can only be a few micrometers in size and easily inhaled. The World Health Organization has recommended significantly lower particulate matter limits to protect human health, but many experts believe it's impossible to comply with these new standards, especially in congested urban areas. Who? Yep. What? what? Who? 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 Um, as a member of the Volkswagen Group, I forgot about that too, mm-hmm. Audi has pivoted in recent years toward to focus on sustainability and currently has one of the largest all-electric lineups in the world with its e-tron range of luxury evs iron man iron man was driving one mm-hmm. as the company works towards becoming a net carbon neutral through as as they work to become net carbon neutral throughout their production process they're also testing new ways to lower emissions and improve air quality outside of its factories Today, they share they're developing an EV air filter that it, they hope can collect particulate matter around its given environment, not only from the vehicle components, but from others nearby as well. But oh, I mean, I'm sorry. They're two years into the pilot program, not one. But think about this. So let's say Tesla wanted to do something like this. One, they're going to have to totally redesign the front end. And t- Tesla going- has that... Um, they have that their air filter in, in the, in that's the, for the S, cabin though in the right. S and the X, but yeah, it is cabin. It's a it's the bio defense bio filter. Yeah, because they say the, it'll he, actually, the HEPA. it can filter out nuclear particles. Is what they were saying? Is that right? I don't know. It, w- it was it something like astronaut. Yeah, yeah. But but if if people wanted to put this in, I mean that that's all cool and everything, but. How many people are going to want to pay for something that that you don't? I mean, I guess if you're driving an I'm EV, almost, you'd be more conscious. Of yeah, that, but I'm but. almost 45 years old, and I never thought about the <laughs> road particulates. Yeah. but I mean, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been behind somebody that has a a really crappy exhaust, or it's an older car yeah. that's not running correctly, and you can definitely smell it. And just because you can't smell it doesn't mean it's not there, but right. Just think about that, but it's it's always there. I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's a good idea, but how much is it going to cost? How much is it going to add to the cost of the vehicle, the maintenance, things like that? That's you know, if it's, if it's if it's if it's a let's just say it's sixty bucks every time you go in for a service to change this filter, then okay, maybe it's not that big. Or a deal. do you have to come in more often because it needs service yeah. more often? And that's the and whole. What it, if and that's if the it whole does thing get clogged EVs. or whatever, is it? 
I mean, it, as long as it doesn't impair the operation of the vehicle. Yeah, but but think about this. The whole thing about EVs is, and I posted this article, so I'm I'm going against the reason I posted it. But the whole thing about EVs is aerodynamics. Right. When you're opening up the whole front end of this. But they did say in here capture, that it, as far as the, what they've monitored so far in the last two years, it hasn't impacted that is what they've said so far. Now, compared to what, though, yeah. they didn't say. I mean, they if, didn't say if that you, part. I guarantee you if you put something that's sealed up like the Tesla is in the front end right. against this in a wind tunnel, you're going to see a big difference True. In, in drag coefficient. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't really talk about that. But um, Audi is a huge... Yeah. And, I mean, they have great race cars. They have great cars, period. I mean, they and the, go in... And the man Hummel, like, they they make... They, like That's all they do is filtration. So, I mean, obviously, they're they're trying to make this a good solution. Um, it says it's controlled by the Audi EV switchable cooling air inlet, so maybe you can turn it off. Um, it says it offer, offering a mechanical function similar to a vacuum cleaner as a result, sucked up dust particles remain stuck in the filter while the air continues to flow through it. But if it gets too dirty, then so like I wonder if it's going to be able to monitor like if they're going to have like an airflow sensor that can say okay like there's no not enough airflow coming through, so now you got to go in for maintenance or you know vacuum the thing off. I don't know. Sorry, space <laughs> spaceballs movie just popped into my head. She went from suck to. <laughs> Um, it says that the EV... Matt, don't get it. It says... Come have on. you seen Spaceballs? I'm sure I have. Just <laughs> um, Mike Schwartz is bigger than yours. Not in a long time. <laughs> um, it says that the EV system can filter air while stationary, uh, such as when you're charging, uh, for an instance. The pilot filter system utilizes the existing process within the EV, which is a fan, tran a fan transport ambient air through the radiator. The fine dust filter can purify this air passing through as well. Perfect for EVs charging in a congested city environments where there are, are more cars on the road. So it's 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 pulling this air in anyway through the radiator. But my thing is, like, if the filter gets dirty enough and then it impacts the cooling of the radiator, which could impact the cooling of your battery management or your battery system and everything else, that's when it could be a problem. Like, that's when – as long as it's easy to remove, you know, I don't know. Matt's got something to say. Oh, it's just a ridiculous article. <laughs> the fact they think they're going to this is gonna work. filter out the gonna... world by these ginormous filters in the front I guess of their if cars. Every single car had this, maybe, but yeah. Not and that's just a scenario Audi's. of if so, every whoa, single whoa, whoa, car. Whoa. So what if we go back to article one that we did on this podcast? Article one. What? The wind turbine. Oh yeah. And they they implement this they need onto to that, yeah, and and then as it goes, more stuff adopts this. Then we won't have to be like in spaceballs, cracking <laughs> oxygen air out of a can and sniffing it. See, my mind works in weird no, no, ways I, and brings so, things back together. So it says they've got two more years of testing, so they're not going to finish the testing until twenty twenty four. But it says the, the results are looking promising to the point that Germany automakers believe filters like this will become a legal requirement in the future, maybe hopefully in Germany. Um, after 31,000 miles of endurance tests with, the, with an e-tron, 
Audi found zero negative effects on the EV's performance or operation, even during hot temperatures and DC fast charging sessions. So yeah, but how congested? I mean, are you yeah, talking like how like take, what if you're near a desert or, take or something this, that has like a like all the take freaking this pollen? Same thing to China where they don't care. I don't. I wouldn't and, say they don't care, but and, that, yeah. well, they're they're very very loose on their regulations. How about it's that? Very yeah. densely populated. Yeah. So yeah. take that and do the same study there. Yeah. I guarantee it's going to be different than how Germany is, or you know. Good point. Um, it says the the system is easy to maintain. It only needs replaced at other. It only needs to be replaced at any other regular service interval. The filter itself is composed of fifteen percent recycled materials, and the entire system is. 60% recycled. It says they're looking to make the filter filter system more efficient with the help of Manhummel, which includes plans for a display logic in the EV, which can allow drivers to recognize when the system is active and how much particulate matter has been filtered. And hopefully, I guess there really isn't any way to turn it off and or bypass it because if the filter's in there, you can't really do that unless it's something they make that's easily removable. So in case, like, let's just say you're on a long road trip and for whatever reason, your filter says, hey, the airflow is reduced and your cooling of your battery management system is now going to be impacted. Like you need to be able to pull that thing out if you have to, I guess. Yeah. What if you go through a swarm of mayflies or something and then it's clogged? May, may, yeah. Or just a swarm of freaking uh No Sams. What? You never seen no Sam? Can you I was to- just gonna say like, you know, pollen or whatever, you know, you see those like trees the, around yeah. here. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think if they can if they can make it if they can build it into the car where it's not going to cost you a bunch of money, and it doesn't impact the the performance or the ma- uh, the usability of the car, then okay. But, but honestly, one manufacturer doing this. But if I mean, but if other, I mean, yeah. it's like, or if they make it some kind of law, it's like Volvo. I mean, yeah. they they came up with a three point seat belt seat belt harness, right? And they gave it to everybody for free. Right. So if they do this and say, okay, this is what we've learned, yeah. incorporate it into yours. I mean, I could see it kind of, you know, come becoming an avalanche and, and it's the next thing. Yeah, I would like to see data on a broader scale. Like, let's say they put 10,000 of these on the road. And then we see data over a year or two period of time. And then they can all, they can actually show from that data how much air that's been cleaned or what what impact it has had that that's what i'm interested in because if you live in somewhere rural that doesn't probably matter as much i don't know you got cows they're polluting the air i mean you got to clean that. It, i don't think it's going to filter out methane. don't pick on the cows <laughs> move. Move. let's move on <laughs> to the next <laughs> last up we have from cnbc.com the Inside the only lithium producer in the U.S., which provides the critical mineral used in batteries by Tesla and other EV makers. Of course, they're talking about lithium. Uh, Silver Peak has been producing lithium since the 1960s, and it's currently the only United States lithium production site. The price of lithium has skyrocketed as, skyrocketed as the energy and transportation sectors look to replace fossil fuel power with electrification, which requires a lot of batteries. Um, facility owner... <sighs> Yeah, go ahead. Just go ahead. Yeah, Albemarle. Ooh, I like that. Has owned the site since 2015 and is looking to expand as lithium becomes more critical to its financial performance. 
Yeah, you know how many times they say Albemarle in this article? <laughs> a, a, lot. It was a lot. So here's a picture of it. Um, so this is in Nevada, Silver Peak, Nevada. It's on the edge. Uh, it's on the edge of Western Nevada. Hours from a major city and miles down private dirt roads lies the United States' only lithium-producing plant. So if it's – I mean, we've been following tech and blah, blah, blah. Why is this the first time I ever heard of this place? Yeah, I don't know. And it's been around it since the 60s. Yeah. Um, it says yeah. that it's nearest to Tonopo, Ton, Tonopah, Tonopah, population 2,179 where a prospector discovered silver at the turn of the 20th century. The town's mining routes are still on display, but the action has shifted to the country's largest lithium brine operation, about 45 minutes away from that. Like I said, they've been producing it since 1960s. A special chemo- specialty chemicals company, um, Abel Marl, acquired the site in 2015 from Foot Mineral Company and has owned it ever since. Um They've gotten new found attention in the recent years as the energy and transportation sectors race to get off of fossil fuels and move to battery production, which requires a lot of this lithium. Um, it says the lithium supply will have grown to grow will grow to forty fold by twenty forty from today's levels. Um, the U.S. used to be a leader in lithium production, but since ceded that position to foreign nations, including China. Now, the Biden administration has said that bringing battery supply chains back to the U.S. shore is a matter of national importance and recently passed the Inflation Reduction Act, the largest climate package in U.S. history, underscoring the new push towards domestic production of these vital vital materials. Um, Part of bringing that back, uh, that supply line back to the U.S., however, is the sheer amount of land required. The scale of Silver Peak is hard to grasp from pictures. It spans 13,000 acres and seems to appear out of nowhere tucked between mountain ranges and the Nevada desert. It's definitely pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know, like, I think I think there's different ways to get lithium. This is just one. So they pump all this water into these pools, ponds or whatever they call them, and then they let the sun bake it until it dries it out. And then they add another chemical, which I think is it's in here. It's like some kind of hydro- hydrogen... Uh, it's yeah, uh, I forget it's what down. Said. They add that to it, which makes makes it easier to get the lithium out of it. But it takes a while. Like it's not something they can do quickly. Um, yeah, but you can't mine lithium quickly either, right? <laughs> and it's more detrimental to the earth. And that's why it's in such a large area because you have to have the volume be able to do that. Yeah, it says the sun the sun bears down and it hardly rains. Ideal conditions for this type of lithium extraction, which depends on solar evaporation. There is also salt, a byproduct of the production everywhere. Um, this site is bustling with activity, which makes it seem even larger than it is. Uh, the sun provides much of the labor, and fewer than 80 people work at the facility. But it's sites like these vast sweeping operations that will power the future. Matt's got an idea. Yes, I can see his wheels spinning. I guess, I guess in a way it wouldn't work. I wonder if there was a certain part of the process where those pools would benefit from having those solar panels oh like above yeah, them. But, but that, but that I, know, would, I know you need the evaporation but if there's if fast. there's one of the pools that would benefit from not baking as much yeah because you're, you're just using or the, just leveraging that land for something else yeah. at the same time yeah i don't know 
It says lithium can be produced from brine, hard rock or clay, and each method requires its own set of conditions and extraction processes. Um, Silver Peak produces lithium from brine tapped from the Clayton Valley Basin. Salty brine that contains lithium is pumped from between 300 and 2,000 feet underground up to the surface. Then over the course of 18 to 24 months, solar evaporation concentrates the lithium. The, br- the, br- the brine throw- the brine <laughs> flows through a series of 23 ponds at the site as it becomes more concentrated, taking on an increasingly vivid turquoise color. The it ponds pretty, range in size, and the largest is bigger than 700 football fields. As more brine is evaporated, wow. the pond gets smaller and smaller. So, About halfway through the process, lime is pumped through the brine, which separates out magnesium that's found alongside the lithium. Once the brine has moved through all 23 ponds, the remaining lithium is chemically processed into a white powder form known as lithium carbonate. So it's just unfathomable the size of the United States. <laughs> yeah. If this is just a one little spot... Well, I think uh, Canada is another big part where they're they're doing like they're trying to get. In, in this article, like this article is super long. Please go and check it out. Like, we're not going to cover everything, but one of the sections talks about it's hard to get this stuff approved because it has to go through environmental regulations, government regulate. Like there's so many approvals they have to go through to get a new one of these up. They said it at the average is like seven years hmm. to get one of these approved. And then it takes 18 to 24 months to even start producing material. And that's why I said it did stuff in China or other places because they have lower regulations where they can or just they just strip have more yeah, they have more right. because they've been making lithium for a longer period of time because we've needed lithium forever for phones, bat, uh, phones, laptops, anything that has lithium ion Mental battery. Health. Uh, yeah, so I didn't know that. So it says, um, lithium isn't only used in batteries. It's also found in pharmaceuticals and glass, among other things. Some of the carbonate from Silver Peak is sent to um, Albemarle, Albemarle's processing facility in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, where it can be further refined into lithium hydroxide, which is used for electric vehicle batteries. Um, but it, it's not the only thing that, it, that it's used in. So, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be like the focus going forward, but they need it for other things too. I didn't know it was using glass or pharmaceuticals. But I guess, you know, what do you take, like, lithium? What do you take lithium for? Um, antidepressant. Is it an antidepressant? Yeah. Or antipsychotics. Antipsychotic, yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, of course, the, pr- the price is going crazy because there's such a high demand. Um, and it's labor intensive. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it, but is it? I wonder what the yield, the yield would be at that end of that 23, 24 months. Yeah, it doesn't uh, of say how that. much, what what's the per capita of of how much how many batteries can we make right over that? Well, there there's some thing they do talk about that. Mm-hmm. I, like they cannot there's they, at the current capacity or the current product production process, they cannot meet the demand. So they're trying to get more. They have la- they have parts that they aren't using like in that area. They're trying to get those approved so that they can use a bigger area. Um, but like I said, it takes it takes about seven years to get all the approvals and everything like that going. Um, and they've also been trying, it says Lithium Americas has been trying for more than a decade to get production going at its uh, Thacker Pass clay mine in Nevada. 
against opposition from environmentalists and Native American tribes because it butts up against two their lands. Uh, Piedmont Lithium is in the process of developing a, a spodamine mine in North Carolina, which it hopes will begin produ- production in 2026. Um, Abelmaro is also working on its own North Carolina mine at Kings Mountain near its processing facility. It's a brownfield mine, brownfield mine, which means it produ- it was pre- previously producing lithium, but it stopped. So they're hoping that that will help them get past the regulations and everything more quickly because it was already being used for that in the past. Yeah, but if it was in the past and there's new regulations, yeah, it could know, require new. There's new building codes. I yeah. mean, just because you, it was. I don't know. You built in that area before. If there's new building codes, you have to adhere to them. So yeah, and it says you know extractive industries are resource intensive and by their nature can be highly disruptive to local ecosystems. That's why there's a lot of um, regulations around it. Uh, but they, they also say it's, you know it's hard to see how the world can move away from fossil fuels without the lithium required for the batteries. And an electric vehicle requires more than six times as many mineral inputs as compared to an internal combustion vehicle. So, so that, that spodamine mm-hmm. is a crystal byproduct of, of that process. lithium. It's used in ceramics, mobile phones, automotive batteries, medicine, and stuff I can't pronounce. So they, they can't keep up with demand. They need area, land, yep. to produce more of this. Because yep. lithium is so important. Yep. We've discussed alternative methods for making batteries. The, like Tesla is trying to buy, like the, they're the trying to sodium do the, the silicon. Or the silicon, the silicon battery. Based, which is basically sand. We saw something, I don't know. It if wasn't we, that in Nevada too? They were trying to buy land in Nevada yep. to mine if, silicon. I don't know if it was just something on TikTok or we talked about it. But the, the stuff in the sea, Darren, that has... Some kind oh, of yeah, rock that, or, or, yeah, or thing. That? We covered yeah, that on I one forget, of the articles. That they could potentially use that to make batteries. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense reading this. Like, people need to invest in alternatives yeah. to the lithium yep. if it's very, you know. But is it is it going to come down to the point hard. where? Well, that could be the iron, the, well, the iron phosphate. And Tesla's using the iron phosphate batteries, which has... A lot less lithium in them mm-hmm. for the, the the standard range vehicles, right? But is it going to come to the point where the regulations that we hold high now are going to dereg? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to to at least not under the current administration. <laughs> Maybe in the future, but you know who knows. Um, but you know it also says that um, recycling is a big option. So, um, Abelmarl is one of the companies working on recycling. And what was the other one we talked about? We've it was a, it was an, it was an ex, batteries. it was an ex Tesla founder that started that recycling mm-hmm. business. Remember? Yep. So maybe that's another way. Like we, if we, we need, we recycle what, what starts coming back out of that, which we, you know, we probably haven't reached that point to where it's a big deal yet, but it will be in the next few years. So back to my whole thing with the land and using solar, so looking at some of those pictures of the, the the bodies of water that the fluid is pumped between in the process of um, evaporating and being able to get the yield of lithium. In between those bodies of water, they have the, I don't know, just the, the buildup, the land that separates them. Yep. If you put the solar 
like oh, down those spots, you could potentially use the solar to help power the pumps that pump the fluid between the ponds to help. All, like I don't know how Offset, are they how are yeah. they powering those pumps? Yeah, I don't know. They, did, they didn't really talk about that. Um, it did say that they were in the process of expanding their operations, which they have to get approval for and things like that. It said in January of 2021, they announced their plans to double capacity to 10,000 metric tons a year, which will power around 160,000 electric vehicles, which is not going to be enough. I mean, Tesla's already making that for a well, every couple of months, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. Um, they said it was initially slated for completion in 2025. It's ahead of schedule. And they spent the last year and a half constructing 22 new brine pumping wells, completing the first stage of that expansion. It said by the end of this year, they will be pumping at 20,000 acre feet annually, which is equivalent to roughly 18 and a half million gallons of water per day. That represents the full extent of their water rights, which is also the entirety of the rights available in the Clayton Valley. So that's another issue. So are they on like an artesian well there? I guess it's just the well that contains the lithium and all the other stuff where they're pumping it up from under the ground. They can only do so much, and maybe they don't want to do it too fast because it will cause instability. I mean, is lithium – so like like these salt mines. So you know salt will regrow itself. Right. Mm. Okay. But at what rate? You but know? at what rate? So, so that's what, they so may I limit wonder, them because of that. I wonder if lithium has that same – regrow rate because i mean that spodum or whatever that was earlier where it's just a crystallized form of lithium i i wonder if if what yeah I don't if know. it's a renewable energy yeah I, I doubt it's as fast as salt but i don't i don't know again super long article yeah <laughs> very long so, article but i mean hopefully we get some other sites approved for lithium in the u.s because we're going to need it um, I know Canada is pushing like hard and fast to get new lithium sites up as well. Um, I, I think we can keep it in the, if we can keep it in North America, that at least keeps us from having to ship it from other countries. Well, and that, that, that and goes into like that, that, that net neutral. I mean, if we're not shipping it from overseas to here to just to use it, yeah, if we're, it reduces we're, the transportation, right. You're, you're reducing costs, that, hopefully. that carbon footprint also. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, until we get new battery technology where they can use less lithium or no lithium, we got to have it. Thank you for joining us for episode 49. Please check out dbbshow.com for all of our information. Episode 50 is up next. I know. What are we going to do? Are we going to live stream it? Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. See if I can get it to work without the camera. We we can only do 1080p on Facebook, so oh, that, yeah, that right. won't be a big deal, but... Yeah, look for us in a couple of weeks. We might do a live stream on Facebook because we'll do our regular recording as well. But uh, we greatly appreciate you listening or watching, and we will see you in a couple weeks.